0: There's a I think this famous legend about Napoleon Napoleon was once walking in Paris on a Tishabov and he saw that there was a big shul, and he walks into the shul and he sees people sitting on the floor, mm-hmm. of these Jews, and they're crying. Napoleon was quite surprised. Big, beautiful shul in the heart of Paris. What are these Jews crying about? So he asked somebody, what are you crying about? And they told him that we're crying over the destruction of our holy temple in Jerusalem. So Napoleon didn't understand that. He thought that there was some political upheaval going on Currently in Jerusalem. And in those days they didn't have the ability to connect in all parts of the world instantly. So he says, I want to assure you, I have very good information. The Middle East is under control. There's no upheaval. Everything is calm and under control in the Middle East. You don't have to any, what are you crying about? Nothing. There's no fires there. There's no destructions there. There's no revolutions there. So they said, no, it's not a current event that we're crying over. We're crying over something that happened 1,600 years ago. 1,600 years ago, our holy temple was destroyed. The enemies breached the walls of Jerusalem and entered the holy temple and burned it down to the ground, to the foundation stone." And for that we're crying. And Napoleon said, if you are people that 16 centuries after such an episode happens, you're still mourning as if it was today, I can guarantee you that you will once again get your holy temple back. this is, of course, uh, if it's true, the story, it would be a wonderful commentary on the Chazal that we all know. Kala Mis'Abel Yerushalayim Whoever is Mis'Abel, whoever mourns over Yerushalayim as if it's a current event, that shows that there is something there in us. If we look at Tishavav as a day that's ancient history in that we're mourning because that's what Halacha says to do, the Mishnah Bura says that we have to do certain things today but we have absolutely no feeling as if a parent died as if a loved one died so then that's not what Tisha B'av is all about Tisha B'av is a day that we have to actually feel within the Chor Ben Yerushalayim and if we could feel the Chorbin Yerushalayim and make it real and actually understand the calamity that it was and how it affects us on a daily basis, so then we are Zaychev Araya so we would actually have that guarantee of Napoleon that we will ourselves be able to in some way realize the rebuilding of, of the temple. And the old question is, and we sort of raise it in different ways every year, how are we able to do this? It's easy to talk, it's easy to preach, but when how do you do it? How are we able, in our gullus, in our wonderful gullus of America, how are we able to really understand the tragedy which is the Choram of How are we able to make-believe, or not make-believe, feel as if the Besamikdash was actually current events and that it was destroyed today? And that we feel that that weight, that gravity of destruction upon us. How do we do that? I once saw an amazing story that there was a a girl, like a from girl, who worked in Eretz Yisrael in a, an absorption center. You know, there's something called uh, absorption centers in Eretz Yisrael, and what they do is when people come from different countries, they have to learn the language, they have to learn the the slang of the country and the ways the different nimusim, the different. Etiquettes of the country, I don't know if there are many etiquettes in the country, but whatever whatever that may be, that's what they're supposed to learn in these in these in these absorption centers. So there was like a family that was that came over on one of these plane lifts. I don't know if it was Operation Exodus or Operation Moses or one of these lifts that brought these families from whether they're from Ethiopia or or Gerbo or, or one of these Moroccan countries, African countries, that they basically have not moved since the Churban Beis Hamikdash. They were banished before the Churban Beis Hamikdash. Some of them left already in the middle of Bayisheni, and they they were relocated to different countries, and then. With the dwindling population that was oppressed in these countries, the state of Israel airlifted these people in planes and they brought them to Israel. I once befriended one of these people that came, came to Israel in such an airlift and he was telling us amazing things. He was an Ethiopian and there was actually a restaurant on Main Street and there was something special about this person. He was a, know, he was a, a falashan yid. And he, but he had a certain chen to him. And he would tell us stories and regale our family with all types of fascinating things that happened when he came into Eretz Yisrael from Ethiopia. He said that first of all, they were, they, they gutted the plane of, of chairs. There were no seats on the airplane. So in order to pack as many of these people in as they could to get them to Eretz so they didn't have any idea. They've never seen a plane. They mamish lived in a place that there was zero technology, zero civilization. They lived in mamish. He was showing us like the way he used to call cattle with his mouth. It was a. It was a. Fa- now he was already modernized, and he lived in Eretz Yisrael long enough that he he became like a very hip guy, but. He was telling us that when he came to Eretz Yisrael, they mamish on the plane. They were a little cold from the air conditioning, so they were going to light a fire in the middle of the plane in order and sit around it and make like a kumsitz on the middle of an L.L. jet, which wasn't a good idea. And they were stopped, and then they got to, um, they got to um, Eretz Yisrael, and they put them in one of these absorption centers. And in the room, there was a TV, and the TV set was on. So they were looking at this TV set, and they didn't understand. They've never seen—imagine never seeing any technology. And the mother, he said, my mother thought that these were real people inside of that, like miniature people inside of the box. And she said to me, "Go get some tea. We have—we are guests in the house. We have to give them tea." This was how distant they were from anything. These were like people that were stuck in a in a 2,000-year time warp. And they didn't know from anything. And here they were in an absorption center, and this from girl was supposed to teach them language and skills, etc. And then one day she told them that, I'm not going to be here tomorrow. And they said, well, why not? What's tomorrow? What's the, what's the holiday tomorrow? That's so it's not a holiday. It's yeah. the saddest day on the Jewish calendar. And what's what, what's sad about it? We you know we we don't know of any sad days in our calendar. She says you don't know about Tisha B'av, and they were like, "What's t- tomorrow's Tisha B'av?" Or like, what, "What what what happened?" She says you don't know. Nobody ever told you. Told us what? She says the Holy Temple, the Beit Hamikdash in Jerusalem, was burned down on that day on tomorrow. And it's the saddest day on the Jewish calendar and everybody just sits on the floor and cries and mourns and says, Kinnis. And they started getting very angry with her. And they started like accusing her of lying. So you're such a liar. What are you talking about? The temple is still standing. It's still there. We pray to that temple every single day, three times a day. And she had to like explain to them that 2,000 years ago, there was a Chorban Beis HaMikdash. To them, the Beis HaMikdash was still standing. They had no idea. They never got word that anything happened. That's how far away they were when they left Yerushalayim before the Chorban. They never got the latest update. Nobody ever sent them a memo that Yerushalayim was destroyed. And they were screaming and they were crying. To them, the korban was mamish fresh. To us, it's old news. We grew up with this. And we're living pretty well, Baruch Hashem. So how are we supposed to feel that anguish, which Tisha B'av is supposed to induce in us? And if we go through a Tisha B'av and we don't feel a little bit of turmoil within, and anger and loss, and mourning, then it's like it was a waste of a Tisha B'av, And we're not going to be So I think there's really only one Eitzah to really understand the taiket, the stringency of having a base HaMikdash and what that destruction did to us today. Not what it did 2,000 years ago to those Jews. But what it's doing today to us on a daily basis, the <clears throat> fact that we don't have a base on Mikdash. We land in Eicha, Sivke And Rashi there says that at night there's something that happens that when you hear somebody crying, if I hear you crying, it makes me cry. If you hear me crying at night, it should make you cry. There's something <laughs> about night that's contagious that leads to a person crying when they hear another person crying. And the Medrash on this pasa brings a Maisa nice and there's a similar ma'isa, but it's not as explicit in the Gemara and Sanhedrin. The Gemara says that in and the Medrash, that in the neighborhood of Rabbi Gamliel, there was an there was a woman, and this woman had a very dear son, a cherished son who she loved dearly. And this son, Nebuchadnezzar died, and she was so distraught, she couldn't live with herself. She was like. Going out of her, Kalem, she was like not able to fathom what it's like. When I was in high school, I, I knew somebody, a young person who died. And he died in a tragic way. And the Leviathan was something that I'll never forget the rest of my life. I was standing next to the father of this boy. And they were lowering the urn into the ground. And the father was mamish jumping into the cavern with his son. He wasn't able to to just watch his son be lowered into the grave. He wanted to go down with him and people were screaming and they were holding him back that he shouldn't go into the grave with his son. And then I was looking at this man and I said, this guy must be, he must be crazy. What's he doing? And only years later, when I have children, Baruch Hashem, of my own, I can understand it. And I would probably have the same exact reaction, if not crazier. When a person loses a child, there's no, I mean, we don't, we should never have it. There's no way of, of ever comprehending the loss of a child. But this woman was going crazy. She couldn't stop crying every single night. Every single night she was crying and wailing and wailing for her long-lost son, and she just wanted him back. She wanted to give him one more kiss and one more hug. And Rebbe Gamliel, the great Rebbe Gamliel, the Rabbin Shah Yisrael, when he heard her cry, he also started crying. And he cried, and he cried, at Chenoshu Riseyinov until all of his eyelashes and all of his eye eyelids, eyebrows, everything came out of Rebbe Gamliel. That's the anguish that Abu Gamliel had. That's what the Gemara in Sanhedrin says, but the Medrash adds in the Kudah. The Medrash says that the reason why he was crying was over the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. This is not something that the Gemara tells The Gemara just comes says, when he heard her cry, he cried. We don't know what he was crying about, but the Medrash sheds light on why he was crying. The Medrash tells us that the reason why he was crying was because of the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. So she was crying over her personal tragedy that her beloved, cherished son was no longer. And Rabbi Gamliel cried in tandem over the Chorban Beis HaMikdash. So our Mordechai Gifter gives us a little bit of understanding into this Medrash. And he tells us something that's so important for us to remember every dish B'Av and every day. He tells us that when Rebbe Gamliel heard the sorrow of this woman, Rebbe Gamliel understood the tragedy that this woman was going through, Nebuchadnezzar. And Rabbi Gamliel cried over her tragedy, but he did something deeper. Rabbi Gamliel understood that all tsaras, every single tsara that a yid has in this in our times, all can be traced directly back to the churban beis hamikdash. If there wouldn't be a Khurm beis hamikdash, if Yerushalayim would be bivminyana. If Mashiach would be here, there would be no tzara. Life would be perfect. Life would be a utopia. The reason why all the tsaras that we have in this world happen is simply because of the Churban Mesa Hamikdash. Rebbe cried over the Churban Mesa Hamikdash because he understood that that was the root cause of the loss of this woman's son. It wasn't merely a an isolated incident that Nebuch, he was sick, or Nebuch, he wasn't feeling well, or Nebuch, he was in a car accident, or Nebuch, he was <laughs> struck by lightning. Every single sorrow, every single tragedy that is experienced in Gaulas is a direct result of the Choram Bess HaMikdash. Had there not been a Choram, there wouldn't have been that sorrow. And Rabbi Gamliel took that opportunity to cry, not just for her son, but for the entire state of affairs that we are living in, that such a thing could happen, all because there was a Churm Beis HaMikdash. This is a very, very fundamental Yisait that we have to understand on Tisha Bav. Rabbi said that Saras that we have in our generation in the past few years is ayam and It's ayam and Now, if things are going well for us personally, so then we could be forgiven if we think that it's not so bad. But I want to just remind ourselves of a list, short list, but I think an important list on Tisha B'Av to Chazar. I'm not talking, I'm not going back to the Spanish Inquisition, I'm not going back to World War One or World War Two or the, the Churban the in Europe. I'm not going back to Tachvatat. Not going back to the War of Independence or the Six Day War or the Yom Kippur War. Let's talk about the last 18 months. Who can forget what happened in Harnof? How do we wrap our brains around Sadiqim standing Shemane Esrei with a talis and tefillin in a shul in Harnof Ga'ayinim Sadiqim, Balabatim, Chashuvim, together, being, Shem Shamayim, And an Arab murderer, Bnei Yishmael, comes in with an axe in hand and traps them and shefts them one by, by one on Kiddush Hashem. Could you imagine... Breaking the news to a child: <laughs> Your "Father was murdered. Your father was murdered. Where was he? I thought he was davening in Shul. Talisans filling with Kavanaugh. How could such a tsara happen? How could we forget such a tsara?" That sorrow we have to cry about now because that sorrow is a direct result of the Choram Beis HaMikdash. It didn't happen on Tisha it didn't have to. But that sorrow was a result of the Choram Beis HaMikdash. Who can forget the most terrible video that I've ever seen in my life? It was, I guess, at the earlier stage of this intifada with the knives, the stabbings. And there was this Arab who worked for Bezek. And he was in a Bezek issued automobile. And they have this on video. He comes smashing into a bus stop. And the Hasidish Yid, that Sadiq of Ayid was standing there waiting for a bus. And he goes flying in air. You never saw him. In the the movies you see this. You ever thought in your life you would see a video of a chassidish Shayyid being thrown into the air? By somebody that has such sinna? But that wasn't enough. Out of the automobile he comes with an axe. And he heads straight for this yid and he starts clapping him. With an axe, it wasn't enough what he did to him. <laughs> this is a Tishabub story. This is the story of Claudius, Yisrael and Gaulus. These are Yechidim. It's not six million. These are Yehidim, these are our brothers. And it happened because of the Khurban, because of the vacuum that took place because of the Horban Mesa Mikta Shanntiishbov. on October 1st of 2015, There was a khush of a couple. He was a very big Miochas. His name was of Etam Henkin. He was a grandson or a great grandson of the Great Riv Henkin from the Lower East Side, one of the Paiskim of America, during the Dar Daya with Ramesha Feinstein. And him and his wife were driving in a car with their four children. And a barbaric act of terror occurred. They were shot and killed in a drive-by shooting with the four children in the back seat of the car, watching their parents die. Like Bnei Yishmael. Who's going to raise these children? we can't shed a tear for the Churb Mesa if we know that that caused it. It's not 2,000 years ago. It's today. On June 30th of this year, a little more than a month ago, a 13-year-old girl, her crime was that she was sleeping in her own bed. A seventeen year old monster breaks into the community of Kariat Arba and goes into this house and sees this thirteen year old beautiful girl sleeping in a bed and he couldn't leave her alone. These aren't stories. Personalise it. It's not a newspaper article. It's not something that you read on a, on a website. These are real lives. These are our brothers and our sisters. We suffer from information overload in our generation. Every day we have a hundred news stories that our minds are filled with. And we see it and we go, hey, that's terrible. And then we go and we scroll down to the next story. Where are our hearts? If we don't cry during the year, this is the day to cry. Let's come to our shores in America. Maybe it's hard for us to relate to what's going on in Israel because we don't live there. we know what's going on in America? Do we know how many broken hearts there are? How many older singles there are? Who can't find shiduchim, Who daven into the Rabbein Yishayim every day and every night? And who do their Ishtadlis to find them shiduchim, And it doesn't seem like it's happening. Al You know how many people have Parnasa problems? How many people weren't swept up by the supposedly better economy? And they can't put food on their tables. And they're embarrassed in front of their wives and in front of their children that they can't provide for them properly. You and I might have a job, but there are so many people that don't. It's a tragedy. It's not a statistic, it's a tragedy. It's our tragedy. How many troubled youths are there? How many kids at risk, as they call them? I remember when I used to live in Flatbush, sometimes I would walk on Friday nights and I'd cross over a public area in Flatbush and there were dozens and dozens and dozens of kids that were from From Families and they greeted each other with cachabases, And then they were smoking cigarettes and maybe worse. Friday night, they have their own community. And they are disenfranchised. And jaded. And angry. And feel rejected. And feel that we don't have a, a place for them. And we're losing hundreds, maybe thousands of Yiddish Yiddish Neshamas. And maybe it's a lot of our faults. Maybe we're not doing enough to outreach. Maybe we're not doing enough to make them feel good about themselves, to give them the warmth and and the Shabbos meals and the love and the affection that they need. How many young people are on drugs, overdosing? How many Leviaths have I gone to over the past few years of young people? This is all the Chorvim Beis Mikdash. It's direct. We all told us, or Gifter told us, It's direct. Not uh, You don't have to be a big Lamdin to see the connection. If Yerushalayim was with Ben if Mashiach would come, (coughs) and as we said this morning in the Joshua, Yerushalayim would be once again the Yifei knife, Mishlech kalarets. It would be the happiest place in the world. It would be a place that would emanate simcha to every corner of the world to every Yiddish in his Shama, would feel a place again, whole again, happy. They wouldn't need artificial stimulations. They wouldn't feel sad and rejected. You know, in the Besam Mikdash, on the walls of the Besam Mikdash, there was... The Gemara tells us in the Basra, they made it look like waves. Beautiful architecture, and it looked like, looked like waves on the walls. Blue marble in the shape of, of a wave. And there's a lot of Mepharshim that talk about why they made it look like a wave, or Butner as the Mahalak. This year I had a different, understanding, I think, of why there were waves on the walls of the Mikdash, the Bayashenit. I was in Long Beach, where my family is from, and I was speaking to a a Yid that had a lot of Tsarists, many, many this Yid went through. And one of the many tsaras was something that we all, anyone that had a house or a home in, in Long Beach, in Farakoway, in Bayswater, in Bell Harbor, in Oceanside, many of these communities that were near the waters got very badly hit by Hurricane Sandy. My my The house that I grew up with had immense damage. For many people, Mamish lost everything in this hurricane. In the water, there was warning about it, and those of us that had a little bit of a foresight and had the ability, we went and we brought up the important things to higher level, and Baruch Hashem, at least by us, it was spared. But, there was a person, this person, he had a, a an apartment near the water. And they were at home when the hurricane hit. And the waters came crashing into their, into their home. And if you can imagine, they were on the first floor of this apartment building, right by the boardwalk. And the water level was rising. The water, the tide was coming into their homes, into their windows, into everybody's homes. And the water was going up one inch, two inches, three inches, four inches, five inches. And this person told me that his wife was a very big tzaddikist. They're both tzaddikist. His wife looked up to the Rabbein Yishleil at this point when it was And she said to him, she says, Rabbein Yishleil, Turn back the tide. I can't swim. I can't swim. You have to stop. It's enough. As soon as she said that, he said, the water stopped and the level started receding. One pure feel of it, Sadekis, was able to make the water start going down. The great hurricane sandy met its match by a simple prayer of an Isha pshut of a Chashubah. And I think that the message of having those waves on the walls of the Beis HaMikdash was a message for us. That if we want to bring back the Beis HaMikdash, we have to understand that our personal little petty tzvila, quote-unquote, has the ability to turn the tide of Gaulus. It doesn't take big tzaddikim, big edailim. Even a simple prayer of a simple woman is able to stop the tide from rising that's swallowing up our dar and sorrows and in tears. And it's able to start changing the direction of galus and bringing back the churban base hamikdash, bringing back the base hamikdash from its churban. I think we all know the story by now that took place a week or two ago, a stone's throw away from our base medrash. There was a. a young woman in, in the Five Towns, she was in her early 30s, known by many people. She worked in a store that a lot of people frequent in the Five Towns. And she went on a vacation with her husband down to Miami for a few days. And suddenly, out of nowhere, she just collapsed and she fell into a coma. And... For some reason it was a very, very severe condition, and her brain was deprived of oxygen as a result of this incident, and the family was immediately called down to Miami from New York to come immediately. The father is a very prominent doctor, and the mother is a, a very well-known personality in the five towns because they had lost a, a different daughter And they made, in her house, an amen group. They spoke there many times. Wonderful people opened their home for chesed, for tzedakah. And this other daughter, she was on the verge of dying. She was in a coma, and they were called down immediately. They didn't have time, and they went down. And and all looked lost. Every major doctor, they did tests, they did CAT scans, they did PET scans and everyone said the same thing Kligi, this girl lost oxygen she's going to die if she doesn't die at death she will be brain damaged for the rest of her life because you can't live without having that oxygen constantly being led to your brain and then they had her transferred up to New York to a hospital here And anyway it was basically over and everybody was davening for her and a group of women led by Rabbi Krohn went to a base based the, the famous cemeteries off the Jackie Robinson very very close by and they were going to daven by all the G'daylom there Chaim's, one of his Rabbitsons were buried there and Rabbi Chaim's daughter is buried there um the Rashiva and Ravenna Flayborz is buried there, Rapam, um others, Yaakov Yasef, the chief rabbi in New York. And they went this morning that morning together and they were gonna daven and they were gonna cry by these Kvarim. And they were crying, these were not you know, these were regular women. Regular women. I don't think Rebetzin Kanievsky was amongst them. And I don't think uh, regular Balabatish or women that came from the five towns to daven, to mishtateah, al Kivrek, Sadikim, And they were davening and then they were going from the grave of Rebhenich to somebody else's grave and all of a sudden there was screams going on in the back of the group. And a thought that somebody must have fainted, it was very hot, they didn't drink enough, they were dehydrated, and he was, you know, he had warned women that they had to drink. And what it really was, was that this girl was on the phone with her mother, the mother was by the in this group, and she got a phone call at that very moment that they were davening Barry Peniplibuts' kever, and she was back to normal. She was talking, how are you mom? How are you feeling? Everything good? To say it's a nace is, uh, is, you know, is cheapening the story. The doctor said that this, there's, there's no term for what happened. Medically it was an impossibility that this would ever happen in a million years. They have never seen a case like this or anything nearly like this. A simple tefillah by a simple woman from the bottom of her heart is able to be pa'el yeshuis, is able to turn the tide of gullus. This 2,000 year bitter, tragic gullus with millions of carbones and millions of just sad stories. Could be changed with one of our tzivos, perhaps on Tishav. Now on Tishav, Chazal tell us it's Yerushalmi that Mashiach was born on Tishav. Whoever Mashiach is, we don't know. But one thing we know is one maybe telltale sign if it's Mashiach is according to at least this Chazal, he was born on Tishav. I was looking at a Sefer today on Eichov and and he said a beautiful bart. he says that the reason why Mashiach is born on Tisha B'av, why does he have to be born on Tisha is because we have to realize that from the Tsara comes the Yeshua if we look at the Tzara of Kal Yisrael and the Yeshua of Kal Yisrael as two independent things then we'll never be redeemed from this gallus We'll never be rid of this this oil that's on each and every one of us. But if on a day of sorrow, which Kishabab is, we're able to use it as a as a springboard to bring the yeshua, to make mashiach come through the sorrow, through the bitterness, through the tears of gallus If we're able to be bakah, Balaila, vidimasa alechia, if your tears are on your cheek, staining our cheeks on Tishabav, understanding that if we could turn the tide with our tears, we can make everything good again, just like a personal tzara could be changed through a feel our national tzara, from which all tzara's come, that churban, could be changed as well with our tzvilas. That's what Tishah is all about. Tomorrow morning, we're going to be saying Kiness. Kinnis could be one of two things: either it could be the most painful experience of a person's life. Nebuch, you have to read all of these hard, poetic Hebrew words, and you know you have no idea what they're talking about. You know, unless you're really good and you go to a Kiness that has, you know, commentary between each Kinnah, etc. But if you're just davening it up and you don't understand what it's saying, it's 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 painful, we know that. But if you're able to take a few of those kinnis and sit down with a good commentary, with a good translation, and try to understand what was going on. There are some that are so beautiful, some of the kinnis really stand out. Remember, my father, Elav Shalom, used to always sing. He was given a certain kinnah on uh, every tissue There's such a beautiful, lilting melody to that kinnah. <laughs> And the Kinna goes on to contrast the beautiful experience of when we left Mitzrayim and the songs that Klai Yisrael sang and then the tragic leaving of Yerushalayim. How can you not cry if you see that? Schism. Between beauty and horror. If you cry during some of the kin, it's not all, it's impossible. Take a few. Take the game Malchus. We also have a different version of it in, on Yom Kippur. The great Tanan, how they were massacred, how they were murdered, how they were butchered in the most tragic, horrific ways. How can you not cry? These are the Tanayim that we learn. They're Taira every single day. And this is Zut Taira bezuzchara. Those tears will plant the seeds of the of the Binin beis hamikdash. If we're able to understand that these Messages of khurbam, these feelers that we're saying could turn the tide. If we feel, if we internalize the deep and searing pain of the yid on Tisha B'av, which is kailal today, that's kailal all tragedies. You know, that's not to get political, but that's what Gideon Yisrael were, they took issue with when they made a Yom HaShoah. Many of the Gideon said there's, that's not really what we do. Of course, The Kedoshim deserve a day of remembrance, but that day is Tisha B'Av. All tragedy is remembered today. Something has to strike a chord in us. Something has to make us feel personalized pain. Don't think about a building 2,000 years ago. Think about all of the events that happened in our lifetimes, in our personal lifetimes. We could go around the room and if everybody thinks a little bit you'll know yourself how either yourself or a family member maybe it's a cousin maybe it's a sibling maybe it's a parent there's some sorrow that's obviously weighing upon all of us if we think about it. Personalize it. Make this the day that we can feel that person's pain if the whole year were jaded and we, we're not in the mood, we're rushing through life with our smartphones in hand, racing, today's a day we could stop a little bit and think about the tragedy that we're in and realize that like those waves in the of Mikdash that can be turned around with a tefillah, we ourselves, our, our little old selves, Anoshim Shutim, we could turn around the course of history. We could bring the Geula, we could bring the Mashiach from the ashes of Tishadot. If we are and Yishalayim, if we are truly able to open our hearts, to be sensitive to the needs of Kla Yisrael at this moment, in history, when we are so needy of so many Yeshua's, of Mashiach, who is the only person that can really solve this mess that we're in, on so many levels. If we're able to be that, to have some tears streaming down our face at some point in Tisha B'av, then we will be us ourselves in our lifetime. May Hashem, we will be zayecha to see the Messiah Ben David. May it be Amen.